0: and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com.
1: No purchase necessary. VTW group void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions
2: 18 plus. Hey, Campfire crew. Let's get it on.
1: No necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: My Life with Storms by Adam Taylor I grew up both a little frightened and excited by storms and tornadoes. My momma and great-grandmother were both horrified of storms, probably an undiagnosed case of lillipsophobia or astrophobia. For me, the sound of the nuclear plant sirens being used as a tornado siren was the scariest. Anyway, I began to study and learn as much about severe weather as I could. In the 8th grade, a tornado hit our small town and killed a man. I sat by a wall in my classroom that was mostly glass windows, and there was some communication between classrooms that our county was under warning, but we never went into the hallway. I actually stopped the lesson and told the teacher that the sky was turning an ugly, almost evil green color. My teacher looked out and said, "Class." i don't think we're in kansas anymore the tornado touched down less than a mile from us but april 27th 2011 was a sad and horrific day for the southeast i worked at a hardware store and although we weren't directly hit a two-inch pvc pipe was sucked from the outdoor racks and shot 14 inches into a neighboring yard later that night i found mail in my yard from cullman alabama I also found coloring assignments from an elementary school somewhere I didn't even recognize. When they got home, my mother and aunt saw insulation and siding scattered in our yard, and we remembered 2 by 4s flying high up in the sky like helicopter propellers. We were blessed and spared that day. Fast forward almost nine years later, I was visiting a friend's house for an Easter cookout. I was well aware of the threat of the storms going into the night, And around 10.45, my neighbor sent a text that read, Hey, Bubba, tree in your bedroom. I have a saw if you need it. It's in your carport. Apparently, a non-severe storm hit the area and a medium-sized tree hit my house. Frustrated, I jumped in my car and headed home. It was odd because with the rain, I figured the atmosphere had stabilized some. Anyway, I pulled in and it was lightly raining. My neighbor, wearing a pink bathrobe, nodded towards the carport and in a manner that just kind of said, the saw is right there. I waved and said thanks and that I'd return it in the morning. He nonchalantly raised his beer and nodded. I unlocked the door, grabbed a hoodie, and turned the lights on and went to assess the damage with the saw in hand. It was roughly 11.30 a.m. as I got to the tree and realized that my pink-robed sporting neighbor had put his ladder up for me right where I needed it. So I primed up and fired up the saw, and went halfway up the ladder to get the heaviest part off the roof. The rain had picked up and I began cutting, my mind thinking about how I was going to cover this roof. And I had forgotten about the weather. As I argued in my mind, almost in a trance, about the quickest and easiest way to get the job done, it was like someone snapped their fingers in my face. It was like I woke up and realized it was deadly still. No rain, no breeze, just the saw rumbling and vibrating in my hand. Out of the corner of my eye, I saw my pink-robed sporting hero, and I do mean hero, waving both of his hands, one of which still clung to a beer. I cut the saw off and looked at him as he began pointing off towards the west. It was then that I heard the rumble of the notorious freight train. I saw power flashes and knew it was coming. I dropped the saw, which stuck straight up into the ground, and I gracefully slid down the ladder. I'm a grizzly bear of a man at 285 pounds, at only 5'7", but I also have the heart of a teddy bear. So graceful wasn't typically used to describe me, but I was proud of the way I gracefully slid down the ladder. I grabbed my neighbor's saw and noticed, like a ghost, that he had gone inside. I rounded the carport and flung open the door and, just like I would any other day, kind of flung it behind my back to close it with three fingers, only to have it meet the wind and come back on me. I slammed the door shut as my power went out. My living room looked eerie as I could see flashes of lightning as well as power flashes. I jumped into a half bath that was right inside the door and slammed the door shut and laid down and covered my head and prayed for forgiveness and for my family. My mind was racing with a million thoughts, regrets, and prayers, but I still noticed the pressure change and could feel air from under the door as it blew in towards me, then sucked back out of the room. I heard things slamming my house. Then the sheetrock overhead fell down and it sounded like my roof lifted and then came back down. I heard the sound of nails being pulled out of wood, glass breaking, and then the scariest sound I've ever heard, and I pray that I never hear it again. It was a groan, a moaning, and I can only describe it as evil. It caused me to shake from head to toe, and that shaking continued from April 12th until the day I met my girlfriend in early August. I suddenly felt something hit my head, and everything was peaceful. I opened my eyes and moved part of the ceiling truss that had concussed me. I felt warmth on my wet head coming from a small cut. I was confused and very thirsty. I walked into my kitchen kicking debris out of the way and got an undisturbed glass from my counter and chugged a full glass of water. Everything came back to me slowly as I stared into the darkness of my living room where I could see the moon peeking through the clouds through the hole in my ceiling. And even then it felt unreal. I went outside to see my car, completely and thickly covered in mud and grass, only on one side. I got blinded by a light as I exited the carport. It was my neighbor, still in his robe, coming to check on me. I asked if he and his wife, or old lady as he called her, were okay. He shook his head yes while giving me the okay symbol with his right hand, and a coffee mug with instant coffee inside had replaced his beer. I stood there and tears poured down my face, not from the dislocated shoulder or pounding headache from the concussion I'd received, but from the thankfulness I felt for him, for the saw, and for standing outside to warn me. He opened his arms and I hugged that man so hard he tapped my shoulder because I was squeezing him so tightly. We were both blessed that day because aside from a few injuries, no fatalities were reported from my town. Be safe, folks. Be weather aware. And never judge a man by the color of the bathrobe that he wears. Liar for a Savior, submitted by Amber. In 2017, I was driving home from a sorority reunion weekend. I knew the weather was going to be bad, so I actually left early on Sunday morning to try to beat the storm that was going to be coming my way as I drove the three hours from my college back to my home. I was 26 at the time and was living on my own in my apartment, but I was also going to stop at my parents' house for the afternoon as it was about a half hour away from where I lived. My parents lived way out in the boondocks, and I had resolved to live in a bigger city as I was tired of the country life. Plus, that's where my job was. But, honestly, I was really tired of living in the country. What happened to me only solidified that fact. The first part of the drive was fine, but I could see the dark clouds on the horizon coming my way. It was supposed to be just severe thunderstorms, and I knew that if it got really bad, I could just pull off the road and wait it out. Something I'm sure many of us have done. For whatever reason, I was listening to music on my phone via my Bluetooth, but I hadn't charged the phone while I was driving. My mistake, and one that would cost me. The first wave of the storm did hit, and it was a doozy. There was a ton of rain and some hail, along with all the thunder and lightning and torrential downpours that came and went. It was a huge storm, for sure. At one point, it did get bad enough for me to pull over onto the side of the highway I was driving on to wait things out. When the rain let up, I continued on my journey, hoping that the worst of it had passed, but I was dead wrong on that front. About a half hour from my parents' house, the hail became huge. I mean, golf ball-sized stuff. There were no overpasses to get under, and I was out in the middle of farm country and nothing but fields. I was going to continue to drive, but some of the hail began to hit my windshield and spiderwebbed it very badly in three or four sections. That enough scared the hell out of me, but as I slowed to a stop, hail continued to smash on my moonroof. I watched in horror as the hail began to spiderweb my moonroof and finally shatter it. Rain was getting in and I was beyond terrified at this point. It's scary as hell to have glass falling on you and then have the rain pouring in and the wind whipping around you crazily. After I got some of my senses back, I looked up and down the highway and noticed that there was no one else around me. Probably people smarter than me knew not to be driving out in this stuff. But, then again, like I said, I was in the middle of nowhere. I picked up my cell phone to call my parents and then call for roadside assistance. I got through to my parents to let them know what was going on, and then my phone died. I scrambled for my iPhone charger, which I couldn't find, and then I remembered the only one I had was in my backpack, and that I had to plug into a wall outlet. I didn't have a cigarette lighter charger. Yes, I was still driving a vehicle that had a cigarette lighter port and not a USB hookup. Now, I was screwed. I had no idea what to do and couldn't call my parents using a dead phone. The rain and storm had started to let up a little bit, and I was thanking the stars for small favors, when a large pickup in a trailer pulled up alongside me. It was a landscape guy, and I could tell that right away with all the equipment he had on his trailer but he didn't have any signage on his trailer or truck. He yelled over to me asking if I needed some help, and I thought my prayers had been answered. I told him yes, I did need help, and without thinking twice, accepted his offer to drive me for help. I asked him if he had an iPhone charger, but he said he had an Android and his phone was also dead. I was desperate and was believing everything that he said. He told me he could give me a ride to his shop and I could use a phone there or his cell once he got it plugged in. I accepted. Big mistake. I noted where my vehicle was and got into his truck that was full of landscape tools and basically a pigsty of a cab. At that point though, I was beyond being critical, I just needed to call for roadside assistance and then see if my parents could come and get me too. He started driving and gave me his name and told me it was Jeff. I gave him my name and thanked him for his generosity, and he said no problem. He was the kind of guy that was always there to help a pretty girl. I rolled my eyes on the inside, but smiled on the outside. He was about mid-forties and very tan from working out in the sun all the time, and had very long hair. He said his shop was only about 15 minutes away, and kept the talk to just small talk, and asked me about the damage to my vehicle. Every once in a while, though, I would catch him looking down into my lap. I was wearing a pretty short skirt. For whatever reason, I don't remember why I was wearing it. Normally, I wear much more comfortable clothes when I'm driving long distances. He remarked more than once that I was a very pretty girl, and I kept trying to divert that line of talk. I wasn't on red alert, but it was making me uncomfortable the way he kept bringing it up. He got off the main highway and began driving on an older road, sort of backtracking where we had come from. He said we'd be at the shop in just a few minutes, and I asked him if he was married as I noticed a wedding band on his finger. He just smiled and didn't respond. After that point, he didn't really say much at all, even if I asked him questions about anything in general. I was getting nervous, and on one hand I was getting some help, but now he was acting very strangely. After a few minutes of silence, he put his hand down on the bench seat between us, and every once in a while I noticed that it was creeping over towards my leg. I was inching myself closer to the door and window on the passenger side without trying to make him notice. Then we made a turn down a dirt road, and he answered my question when I said, Is this your shop down here? He smiled and nodded, and I scanned my surroundings to look for any kind of building. There was one coming up in the distance, and I reassured myself that this guy was on the level. We pulled into a driveway of a Quonset hut, and he drove over to an open garage on the side of it. As we approached the garage, I asked him what I owed him for his help, and he only smiled and said that we could take care of that once we got out of the rain, which had started again. Now red flags were jumping up in my head. That was a very effed up answer, and I was in the middle of nowhere. I mean, there was nothing but cornfields as far as the eye could see. I knew something was very wrong, and my stomach told me to not go into that garage. From the corner of my eye, I looked to the lock on the door of the truck and saw that it was up. I knew it was unlocked. As he slowed down to enter the garage, I gathered all my courage and threw the door open and jumped out, clutching onto my purse and my dead cell phone. He yelled out, Hey, what are you doing? But I just started blindly running to the edge of this piece of land and into the wet rows of corn. As I ran into them, I heard him yell, Come back here, you little bitch! Now I knew for sure this guy did not have good intentions and was not a good Samaritan. I had no idea where I was, and even if I did have a good sense of direction, which I don't, I had no idea where to run. I just kept running. Tears were streaking down my face and I was breathing heavily as I just kept running and running and running. And every once in a while I could hear him yelling for me to get back. And every once in a while I could hear him yelling to me to come back. And that this was no way for a fine little bitch to treat him. At one point I stopped and listened to see if I could hear him following me, but I didn't hear anything and he stopped yelling. I then just started running again hoping that the cornfield would somehow end and I would have a better idea of where I was and, more hopefully, that there was a house or something, even a passing car if I got to a road. I just needed even more help than I did before. I got to the edge of this cornfield and thank God I saw a house in the distance. I ran with every ounce of energy I had in me through the field of high grass every once in a while looking back to see if the guy was still following. I got to the edge of the yard of this house, and there was an older couple sitting on their porch enjoying some lemonade and just watching the rain. I must have looked like absolute hell, and probably looked like a demon from hell running out of the cornfield and over to their porch. I had to stop and catch my breath when they asked me if everything was okay, because I couldn't even tell them what was going on. I looked over my shoulder, and off in the distance saw the figure of someone standing at the edge of the cornfield I had just come out of. It had to have been that guy. I explained to them quickly that my car had been damaged by the storm and I had gotten a ride from a stranger who said he was going to help me, but I knew had bad intentions when I arrived where he took us. I just needed to use the phone, and at that point I was so hysterical, I just wanted to talk to my parents, the cops, anybody, but mostly my dad. The couple ushered me inside and were the kindest people I have ever met. The old woman put on tea for me to, quote, calm my nerves, and brought over an old-style cordless phone. It took me a minute to even punch in my phone number. I mean, I was so shaken up I could hardly remember my own phone number. After finally catching my breath, I told my dad what had happened and got the address of this nice old couple. He said he'd be on his way that second and to not go anywhere and to also call the police. The old man said that he'd call the police for me and I should just try to relax, but he gave me the phone when he got in touch with them. I told them everything that had happened and they told me to stay put, that someone would be out. I also told them where my car was and that my father was on his way to get me. The sweet old lady brought out a plate of cookies and I started to really relax. These people were just so sweet and just what I needed. Not only were they helping me, they were helping me to calm down. They asked all kinds of questions about why I was out there, where I was from, and that sort of thing. They just seemed generally interested in me and keeping my mind off of what had just occurred. The police and my dad got to the house almost at the same time, and I burst into tears all over again and ran into my dad's arms. He told me everything was going to be okay, and then I burst into tears again about my damaged vehicle. He said not to worry about that, and everything would work out. I gave a description of the guy in the truck and the area that he had taken me to, and the cop kind of scratched his head for a second. I gave him the general direction, just pointing to the cornfield, telling him where the landscape shop was, or at least where the guy said it was. The cop asked me to describe the building, and I told him that it was a Quonset hut with another garage next to it. He just kind of looked at me before saying anything. Then he actually looked at my dad and said, That's not a landscape shop. That's an old storage unit for the person who owns the land that this farm is on. The farmhouse for the cornfield was another mile or so in the other direction. My stomach sank to my feet. The reality of the situation set in. There was no way in hell I was not going to be raped, or even worse, by the guy that had taken me there. The cop said that I did the right thing and had used my head and my senses by running into the cornfields, which is probably what slowed the guy down, as he didn't even know where I was. He said that he would send out a bulletin for everyone to keep an eye out for the truck and trailer. Fast forward to a little later that afternoon, when my dad drove me back to my vehicle with the police. The damage from the hail was certainly obvious, but someone had obviously gone through my car. They had completely ransacked the interior, broke off both rearview mirrors, And whoever had done this had also rifled through my luggage and everything else in the vehicle. They never did find the guy, and there was no proof that he was actually the person who did the vandalism to my car. But it doesn't take a genius to think that the guy went back to my car looking for anything he could steal, or perhaps even figure out where I lived. Thank God I always keep my insurance and registration in my purse. I don't leave it in my glove compartment, and I still don't to this day. So, anyway, a tow truck was called to get my vehicle. I called my insurance company and all that stuff. I was sure I would never see that guy again, but I still worry for any other young woman out there, or old woman for that matter. I mean, who knows what the guy's tastes are. Regardless of the fact that I got away from him and saved myself from whatever fate I can dream up that is awful, that guy is still out there. I can only pray that no other woman has fallen prey to him. Saved by a Toilet by Sherry This happened when I was in my shop in Bryan, Texas, working on a Volkswagen. It had been raining hard most of the afternoon, and at approximately 4.30 in the afternoon, the rain stopped and there was an eerie silence, followed by the patter of what sounded like hail on the metal roof of the shop. Then the wind started howling, followed by a large crashing noise on the back wall of the shop. I looked up and saw the 16-foot garage door bowing inward from the wind. I thought, oh man, I hope this isn't a tornado. The door breathed back out. I sighed a breath of relief too, hoping the twister had skipped over the shop. But that relief was short lived With Lucky Land you can get lucky just about anywhere.
1: No purchase necessary for you prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: As in the next few seconds, I heard that train sound, which actually sounded like machine metal being chewed up. I mean, it was indescribable, actually. The entire back wall of the shop began to bow in. All I could think of was getting to a low spot. And there was none. My next thought was get into an interior hall. So I ran to the bathroom. Lay down on the floor and grabbed the toilet, knowing it was bolted to the ground. In the next two to five seconds, I saw the corner of the shop and bathroom lift up and disappear over me. Then I was hit with a force I can't describe, and felt myself being lifted into the air, traveling backwards at what seemed like a hundred miles an hour. I was being hit from all directions by objects and beams from the building. A thousand thoughts went through my mind, and I just knew I was dead. I prayed for God to save me, and that was when I was slammed back onto the ground. I realized I was alive, and I didn't think I was hurt too badly. Then the debris started falling out of the sky. I thought, oh, great, I survived being sucked up into the air in a tornado, and now I'm just going to be crushed to death. As the debris fell onto me, I fought and pushed and shoved anything that landed on me, trying to get whatever it was landing on me off. Then, as fast as it had started, it was over. No noise. I was bleeding and it felt like my ankle was broken, but I was alive. I couldn't breathe because I was being crushed. I pushed one more time and was able to create enough space to breathe, and I hollered for someone to get the building off of me, but no one answered. I wiped the blood from my eyes and saw a 1965 Pontiac Catalina next to me. My first thought was, why is this car in the bathroom with me? Then it hit me that I was some 80 feet from where the bathroom once stood and was out in the parking lot in front of the shop. I pushed and clawed my way out of the rubble, shocked, angry, but thankful to God that I was alive. I survived but was bruised from head to toe with a broken foot and some lacerations. I went back out to the shop the next day and just cried, seeing where I had crawled out of from the broken pieces of the toilet under where I laid. Turns out, the toilet had just been set on the wax ring and caulked to the floor, not bolted into the slab. In retrospect, that toilet not being secured is probably what saved me, as I think I was traveling with the debris in the twister rather than having it slam into me. Thanks, toilet. Hey gang, thanks for listening to this episode of Uncle Josh's True Scary Stories. If you have a true scary story of any nature you'd like to hear narrated on my podcast or this channel, email it to Uncle Josh true scary Stories at gmail.com. I read them all. I also wanted to tell you that I am an affiliate now with tpublic.com. I have a store there that has all kinds of Uncle Josh's True Scary Stories merchandise. I have a direct link to my storefront at tpublic.com and a link in the description below. Check it out. Pick yourself up some cool merchandise, whether it's a t-shirt or a hoodie, anything else that's available there, it all helps support this podcast and channel. I hope you'll check it out. And if you're following me on social media, you'll find links to my storefront there as well. If you're not following me on social media, links to that are in the description below. If you haven't already, please like, share, and subscribe to my channel. And of course, hit the notification bell for every time that I upload. Everyone, be excellent to each other. And until next time, be wary of things that go bump in the night. It could be anything. A ghost, a monster, or the guy next door.
0: and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW, avoid, prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky
1: Land Casino asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?
0: Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Haha, uh-huh, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes.
1: Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win into.